great to see you. Wow, I'm not quite sure how to follow um, that. That was really powerful testimony. And as Joe said, thank you all of you who um, have shared this morning and others of you who shared with us privately about what um, God has been doing through that course. Um, we, uh, it's a bit of a special morning because in about five or ten minutes, um, we're going to hear from each of the three um, discipleship year students. In our house, they get shortened to the disciples, um, but we can call them in, we, well, interns. We, I prefer discipleship year students. Anyway, um, Bex and uh, Nikki and Amy have, been, uh, have spent the whole year uh, as part of the Winchester Vineyard Discipleship Year, and each of them is going to share with you what God has been showing them and some of their highlights. And before they do that, I'm just going to kind of introduce it for a few minutes um, by uh, talking about um, a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 25. If you've got a Bible, you might want to look it up, or you can find it on your phone. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have any um, slides this morning, but because we're talking, we're in a series about the parables that Jesus told. And so it's kind of, um, this, this is a parable of what we, what we sometimes call the parable of the talents. And I just think it's a really good way to introduce um, what it is we're going to hear from each of these um, young ladies. So Matthew 25, 14 to 30, it's probably, if you've been around church a while, or if you grew up in church, it's probably a story you've heard already. But I'm going to read it, um, and I'm reading it, actually I'm reading it from, the, from a different version that I normally use. Um, uh, I'm going to read it from the uh, English Standard Version. It says, for it will be like a man... Going on a journey, who called his servants, this is Jesus talking, and entrusted them, entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who has received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he, who also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. I knew, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. And then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received at least what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And for he who have, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's pretty dramatic and pretty strong language at the end of that story. First question, what is a talent? Okay, in Old Testament terms, a talent was a unit of weight equaling around 34 kilograms. In New Testament times, the talent is a unit of monetary reckoning. 
Though it's not, an, it's not an actual coin, it's a theoretical bit of money. It's valued at around 6,000 drachma, the equivalent of about 20 years' wages for a laborer. A common laborer would have earned about one denarius per day. So in, if you want to try and approximate that, this is from my study Bible, I don't claim to know this stuff myself. Um, if you want to approximate that, if a, in modern day equivalents, assume that a laborer earns, we'll do this in dollars, $15 an hour, at 2,000 hours per year, he would earn $30,000 a year, and the talent would equal 600,000 US dollars. Hence, 10,000 talents hyperbolically represents an incalculable debt. In today's terms, around $6 billion. Something like that. In the story Jesus is telling, he is talking about a unit of money that is vastly more than just a few days' wages or even a few years' wages. The NIV actually translates it as bags of gold. But the story isn't really about money. It's about investment, and it's about what each servant did with what he was given. Um, According to Tom Wright, who's a brilliant New Testament scholar, he says a talent, by the way, was a unit of money worth roughly what a laborer could earn in 15 years. Our modern word talent in the sense of the gifts or skills that an individual possesses, is derived from this, precisely because of this parable. So when we talk about somebody having talent, or Britain's got talent, or what are you skilled at, or what are you gifted at, the word comes from this. It's what did you do with what you were invested, what was invested in you? According to another Bible teacher, R.T. Kendall, he says it like this. One, a talent is one's measure of responsibility in using a skill that God has already given by common grace. So it's not just about how much money you've got and what you did with it. It's about what were you given and what did you do with it. So I, I kind of like to think of it as the skills or the gifts or the resources or all three. The skills, the gifts and resources that God has given us and how it is that we choose to use and invest them. And so with that in mind, notice this in the story. The talents were not given equally. There's a little phrase where he says they were given according to ability. So the talents weren't, everybody was not given the same gift. But the first two servants received identical praise from the master, even though the amounts they had been given and therefore the investment that they were able to return was different. The master says to each of them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. To the guy who had five talents and doubled that, to the guy who had two talents and doubled that. The master's identical statements of praise to both servants showed that what was important was not the total amount earned, but the faithfulness in utilizing their gifts and potential. In other words, it's not what you've got that counts. It's what you do with what you've got that counts. It's not what you've got. It's what you do with what you've got. Be that emotionally, educationally, intellectually, financially, practically, spiritually. On the other hand, the third servant came in for a lot of criticism from the master who basically calls him wicked and slothful. Formal banks didn't exist in those days, and therefore it was quite common practice to just bury your valuables. Okay? This guy was so afraid of losing money that he didn't want to invest it, or maybe he was just too lazy 
or too fearful. The master says, well, you could have at least given it to the bankers. I said there were no formal banks, but there were, he's referring to the money changers who would exchange currency at the temple and also seem to have loaned a little bit of money at interest. So he's saying, if you'd have given it to them, I could have had it back with interest. And this guy seems to receive a whole heap of judgment. So what's this parable really about? Remember last week I said that the key to interpreting parables is to understand the cultural reference points and to understand the audience. Some people interpret this as a parable where Jesus is trying to tell his disciples that he's going to be going away for a long time and that he should, he's going to leave them with a bunch of work to do and that they should get on with it and one day there's going to be judgment depending on whether they've done the job that he asked them to do or whether they haven't. I suppose that's an interpretation, but it doesn't really ring very true to me. Because as usual, I think with Jesus, there's a lot more going on at a deeper level. And again, Tom Wright, who's a brilliant New Testament scholar who helps us. We've looked at some of his stuff in the past, and he really helps us to understand the, the context, the Jewish context that Jesus was in and that this story, that this happened in and that it was written in. And it's helpful to understand the two preceding chapters of the story. Because in Jesus' day, any story about masters and slaves would be understood as being about God and Israel. Okay? That's just one of those cultural things that we wouldn't know, but that they would know. So there's something going on that's in the bigger picture here. And in chapter 23, two chapters before this in Matthew, Jesus denounces and publicly criticizes all of the religious teachers, the scribes and the Pharisees. It's known as the woe chapter. Not woe, but woe. Woe to you. And he spends the whole chapter just basically slinging them, slagging them off. Not quite, but you know, just really going into them. The, whole, the suggestion from Tom Wright is that these scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders that Jesus has just laid into are represented in this story by the wicked servant. That their talent that God had given them to invest was the law of Moses, a guide to live by, and the temple, a sign of God's presence among them. And with that, with wonderful promises from God about how he would not only bless Israel, but bless the whole world through Israel, this was the talent that Israel was given and that its leaders were given. And this is according to Tom Wright. Jesus insinuating that they have taken all of that and buried it under the ground. Under additional and unnecessary religious, cultural practices promoting the keeping of the letter of the law, promoting every last detail without any sight of the love and compassion and mercy of the heart of God. Tom Wright says this, they had turned the command to be the light of the world into an encouragement to keep the light for themselves. And then chapter 24 is all about Jesus threatening destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. This perhaps by way the master's Punishment. And you do have to look at the judgment that's talked about in this story in the context of the rest of the bigger story of Jesus. Okay, because he's mercy and compassion. And later on, Jesus himself goes to the cross. We're going to celebrate it in communion at the end of this morning. 
And there is always mercy and there's always a way back with Jesus. But in the micro and the macro, this story I think is about God's kingdom. Given at one time to Israel and now given to us as followers of Jesus. Just like when we talked about the sower last week, you know, extraordinary growth occurs when God's word takes root in really good, fertile soil. I mean, crazy, extraordinary, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold growth. Those who hear the call of Jesus and develop what Israel has already been given are like perhaps another parable that Jesus talked about, the mustard seed. It starts small and it grows and it grows. And that's the kingdom that God, that Jesus was announcing. The advance of God's kingdom, it's starting to grow. And for all of us, there's an encouragement there. That if you want to be part of God's kingdom, if you want to work with him to see exciting and adventurous things happen, to see transformation, then the gifts and the talents and the resources that we have, there's an encouragement and maybe a challenge to put them to work. And so just a few thoughts on this story, if you have been given a talent, the message here is to invest it wisely. If you are what some might call a very talented person, if you are a high flyer, then fly high. Do it humbly, do it for the right reasons. But if God has given you the ability to make loads of money or to lead hundreds of people, then go for it. And give it everything you've got and do it for God. If you have the leadership skills to do a massive team, to lead a company or an organization or something, go for it. If you have insane talents in some other way, use them. Remember what I said? It's not what you are given, it's what you do with what you've got. Which isn't quite the same as if you've got it, flaunt it. I don't think that's in the Bible, I just heard that somewhere in my mind. Just make sure that you do it humbly. Romans 12 says, do the thing, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Luke 12, 48 says, from the one who's been entrusted much, much more will be demanded. And don't be surprised then if you receive a double portion. Isaiah talks about a double portion. I mean, that's the blessing of God when you invest the stuff that he's given you. So it's important that all of us go and invest what we have, what we've been given, and not just use the excuse that perhaps I'm not quite as talented as that person over there, therefore I have nothing to give. Don't use that as an excuse to be fearful or lazy. This isn't about winning or losing. This is about choosing. Choosing how to invest what God has given you. This applies educationally. We've been telling our kids all the way through their school careers. You know, we are not after massive results. We're just after you doing the best with what you've got. All parents are hopefully the same. Um, It's about what practical skills you've got. You know, my brother-in-law is not an educated man, but he has incredible skills. He's a mechanic and a builder, and he will help anybody who needs help. If they can't afford to pay him, never mind. You know, he just invests in people and stuff. He invests the stuff he's given. Um, Spiritually, if you have a leadership role, or you have the ability to help someone grow in their discipleship in faith. Financially, we all have different amounts, but how are we using them? There is a really great God principle here, which is for those who have been faithful over a little, God will set them over much. What about your time? What about the time we have available? How are we choosing to use that? Our work time, our family time, our leisure time and our spare time. What an incredible resource. 
There is a cultural temptation to just spend as much of the time as possible on ourselves. I need some me time. You know, I just need some time for me. And, you know, it is appropriate that we take time, as we talked about in our series on emotional health. But I want to introduce these three uh, young ladies to you. Bex is going to come first. These are our discipleship year students who this year chose to invest a year of their lives, not the whole year, but two or three days each week out of this whole of the last year to invest in our discipleship year program, to invest in their relationship with God, to invest in getting some experience in the church. And I don't have time to tell you about the whole program. You can look that up for yourselves. But each of them is just going to share for a few minutes on uh, the highlights of their year, how God has met with them, how God has changed them. Why don't you welcome Bex, who's going to share first. Okay. Take your time. Thank you so much, Nigel. Um, A few years ago, there was absolutely no way I would have had the confidence to stand up speaking in front of people. Um, And as we were talking about fears earlier, that was certainly one of my fears. And it's a miracle, really, that God has just worked within me. Um, So I just felt I'd share that before starting. Um, So this year has been quite a journey of lots of different things. I've been um, at certain stages of life and really hearing from God that's something that I've just I found quite easy at times and then other times sometimes felt a bit further away from God and before um, giving up work I was in a really busy time quite a stressful time and but during that time I really did hear very clearly from God in many ways in my everyday work um, doing the washing, wherever I was, I could be in the streets, uh, whatever. And, and I just really loved that time with God. And one very clear moment, I was in my car and I just felt God say, Bex, now is the time to give up work. And I'd had a battle with this for several years before. Um, and I, so I felt I wasn't particularly obedient to God. And when he speaks to us, we have a choice. We, we have a choice to respond to that. Um, and I, I didn't because I was too fearful. Um, I was afraid of what might happen. So in the end, it's already gone. Um, I had to take that big step of faith. Um, and that was a big risk. At the time, my husband's job was um, basically going through a restructure and he could have been made redundant at any point. So it's not the kind of normal risk that, you would take but we had that trust both David and I in God that that was the right thing because I'd heard so clearly um what he was saying and so we took that risk um if it's okay could Nikki and Amy come up and do so um This is just a practical demonstration of um, perseverance and our journey in our walk with God. Now, throughout my life, I've kept coming across obstacle after obstacle and obstacle. (laughs) And and there's that tendency that you want to push through, you want to knock it down. And and sometimes, sometimes we can, you know, we have to persevere and continue. 
And during this journey, I really felt God saying to me, Bex, there's an other way. You just need to keep your eyes on me. So over here, just keep your eyes fixed. And he really said, Bex, sometimes these obstacles, they are there not to stop you, but they are there so that your faith can rise up. And it can rise up to another level and you can see things more from his perspective. And that those obstacles help you bring you back and keep you in line with the walk that he has for you. So that, yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) So perseverance in James um, 1 verses 2 to 3. It's saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. And there were so many times that I could have given up this year um, and previous years as well. Um, So this year has been a real strengthening of faith and in my walk with God. And so let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. And that's from Hebrews 12, verse 1. Now you can see on the screen, um, there's all different lanes. And so we all have our own individual um, race on our path that's set out for us. So we may see other people and go, oh, if only I could do that or stray sometimes. But we all have our own strengths, our own talents and gifts that we have. And so um, just to encourage you, just keep going on the path that God has set for us all. Um, this year, um, not necessarily meant to read it, it's just a prompt for me. Um, but this year, God has really spoken about identity. And I've had quite a lot of head knowledge over the years about identity, but there was really something missing um, with the head heart connection. And so that's something I've been journeying with for a number of years. And this year, I just felt that God had brought that back into alignment. And so that's just been a really incredible thing. Um, And we were talking earlier about being a child of God and a daughter of the King and things like that. And there's just so many of those that we can just step out and just choose to believe. So I've actually carried this key ring around for the whole year. And that's just had all the truths of God in there. And so I just want to encourage people, if this is an area that you're struggling with, um, just keep reading those every day and it will, it will connect and God will work within you to do that. So as mentioned, I had a very um, busy life. I was juggling too many things with children, family, work and so many things that... For me, it's been a real challenge to be still and to rest in his presence. And so this year, I've really had the opportunity to be able to do that and invest a lot more time. And, and the, the verse is about saying, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And this year, it's been a year of really core, um, deep healing as well. And so... That's just been amazing. Um, And during the Christmas markets, um, we were given the opportunity to host some of the training. And there was this dear lady, she was 90. I, I loved her. And she spoke. 
And she said, oh, I love to receive. And I went, wow, wow. And then the next breath, she said, because the more I receive, the more I can give out. And, you know, that was a revelation to me And because I actually really struggled with receiving things. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I didn't deserve it. And this lady saying this made me really think, wow, actually, we can give so much more. And certainly with our work with Compassion and with the generosity of people here and others that just give, it just enables us to be able to give out so much more to people and bless so much more. So just want to encourage, keep going with all the generosity and learn to receive, but also learn to pour that out again. Um, So John Wimber had a quote, if we serve Jesus, then every act and thought has a meaning. Acts of kindness aren't just niceties, they become acts of worship. So whatever we give out, whatever we give out of our love, our gifts, our talents, that's for others, and that is an act of worship. This is not just what we do on a Sunday morning, it's what we do in our everyday life. And that's it. Isn't that fantastic? I'm on this one too. Fantastic. Um, Amy? Who's coming next? Amy, come on. Come and share. We're going to pray for all these three at the end. We're going to celebrate communion in a minute. Thank you for sharing, Bex. This is Amy. You probably know her already. Go for it. Thank you. Um, so this year we've done a lot, um, but I'm not going to tell you about all the things that we did. Um, instead, I want to just share with you some of the things that God's been teaching me um, and what he's been reaffirming in me and expanding on his truths um, So hopefully that will encourage some of you as well. Um, Firstly, God is persistent. He is tireless and relentless. (laughs) Um, When God wants to tell you something and he wants you to learn something, he's going to get it across one way or another and you can't run away from him and you can't hide from what he wants to say. Um, And this year he's used a lot of people and situations and talks and even dreams that I've had um, to really just speak into some of those things that he really wanted to get across to me this year, um, and particularly about a gift that he has given me. Um, it was something that was spoken to me when I was um, a bit younger, as a teenager, um, and then this year alone, God has brought it up over and over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and that's about the gift of my voice um, and the power and authority that he has given me in that um, God has given me a voice that is not afraid to shout back against the enemy and one that is there to encourage and comfort others and stand in the gap for those people who don't have a voice. Um, And I just need to embrace this more and start walking in this more because otherwise he's just not going to leave me alone. Um, But it's just really encouraging that he's just always, always there prompting um, and leading us. Um, And... What's also really great is in his persistence, um, there's a real freedom for us. Um, and I find because I didn't have to know all the answers and get every single thing right and say everything beautifully and eloquently um, for God to 
to, you know, to do things. It wasn't all in what I did. So I could say absolute nonsense up here this morning. And if God wanted to speak to you, he would, um, which is completely freeing for me <laughs> um, being here. Um, it's not it's not my job to know all the answers and get everything right. But actually, it's my job to just spend time with my father and to listen to him and to grow in those truths that he's revealing. Um, and he did that in one way, I can say really honestly, something that I was challenged with this year. Um, and I feel I have grown in, but there is still a lot more growth to come. Um, was And I said this very stupidly at the beginning, is I really want to learn how to do healthy and respectful confrontation and conflict management. And why would anybody ever say that? Because God is there and he wants to teach us. Um, and situations came up that I didn't expect um, and I didn't want to deal with them. So I just kind of pushed them off and pushed them off um, until eventually something had to happen. And then that didn't go very well. And I hated it and I cried and I was like, what's the point? And then for the next term after Christmas in church on Sundays and in our life group, um, we talked about confrontation and conflict management and communication um, and I even started to get impatient with myself because I just was putting it off and putting it off so praise God that he has grace for me in that um, but actually I was able to really look at it properly think about it myself why I was reacting the way that I was and actually come into that situation um, and have a really good conversation um, where you know, God was just all over that and he was in that and things have completely like improved and changed and are great now. Um, and I have an even better relationship with the person that all this stuff is going with. So thank them for their patience to deal with me. Um, and it's definitely something I've grown in. Um, I'm not terrified of it, of it anymore, but I'm not a big fan of it. So there's still some stuff to go there. Um, and secondly, God also just really blew my mind out of the water in terms of just his goodness and how good he is. Um, I've known this already in many, many ways, but this year God's just done so much more, um, particularly um, in his generosity. He is just incredible. Um, this year was a challenge for me financially coming into DY um, because we're encouraged to have a job, part-time job to pay for things basically. Um, and some of you might not know that I have chronic fatigue syndrome, which makes things a bit difficult, a bit harder, um, and I actually couldn't work, which then meant I was completely reliant on God for all of my finances and everything. Um, and he's always promised me over and over and over again in his persistence um, that he will provide all that I need, um, and I trusted that and I knew that. But this year, he really went above and beyond. Like I knew financially then he was going to cover my back because he did before, but this year he just was there in so many ways. He has given me even more incredible, wonderful friends here in Winchester who were there to encourage me and support me. Um, people who would just come along when I didn't expect it um, and take me in and help me and feed me if I didn't have enough money for food that week. Um, but also he's given me new experiences like going on my first ever mission trip abroad to Romania and then enjoying it so much I went again six months later, um, which I never thought I would do. Um, and... In all those things as well, he's given me new skills, um, of more confidence, um, but also in a confidence of who I am as his daughter. God's just been so good um, in that this year, and I'll share a bit more in a minute, but like, I'm coming out of the end of this year with loads of new friends. I'm moving into a new house next week in Winchester, which is just amazing that he's even brought that along. Um, and he's done all of this because he loves me and because he's good. 
and not because of anything else. It's just because he's so good, um, which leads really nicely to what I wanted to say is about how much God loves me. Um, I was reflecting through this year and two phrases kept coming up, which is I am loved and I am important. Um, and so are you in case you don't know. Um, and with, um, particularly with my health, um, it's been, it's quite hard. I'm at home a lot. Um, when I'm not at church or doing DIY things or things that I need to do, I'm at home resting and recovering pretty much. Sometimes that takes a morning. Sometimes it can take up to three days. Sometimes it takes even longer if I've been a bit crazy and done too much. Um, but what's really hard in that is that I'm also like super extroverted and I want to spend loads of time with everybody. So I will sometimes do more than I should just for the sake of being with um, friends and things. Um, and that's been a real challenge because I can't do a lot. But it's okay because that's not what defines me. And last year, God took me on a journey with my health of really helping me know that it's not what I do that defines who I am. It's not what I do that makes me loved by him. Um, and this year, he's went and added to that and expanded that. Um, and it's okay for me to take the breaks because I need to, but because I am important. Um, and I was watching a film and it said this phrase, beauty is worth preserving. And God just really like hit me right there when I was watching this film and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and actually I've been made unique and beautiful. Um, and therefore I am worth preserving. I'm worth investing that time in to recover and to rest, um, and to get better. Um, I don't have to feel guilty about it. Sometimes it was really hard. I'd feel really guilty if I wasn't doing something. Um, and God's just completely changed that. Um, it's so important to invest in ourselves and make sure that we're okay because we are gifts from God and we're no use to ourselves or him or anybody else if we're just completely like shattered, <laughs> basically. Um, so God's just really expanding that truth that I'm important because God made me, not because of a skill I have or a role I've been given. Um, and I think that's a really great place to be in. Um, and lastly, um, God's really affirmed the leadership in me this year. Um, despite my best intentions, I have let experiences and comments from other people and things make me feel bad sometimes about being a leader because I'm young or because I'm a woman um, or because at the end of the day, I am only me. Um, actually I've been so wrong to think like that because actually God says because you are young I will use you to be an example in your generation he says because you are a woman I will use you to lead and encourage the younger girls to believe in themselves and because at the end of the day you are just that simply you and no one else I will use you to lead and bring hope um, and God has placed really wonderful role models and teachers around me to learn from this year um, and as I continue to step out in that um I will always remember this year as a really crucial time for shaping and stretching me in this area um, and just remembering those things. Um, and just to sum everything up, basically, discipleship year has been incredible. We've just got to learn a lot of stuff while hanging out with some really great people who really love Jesus and want to see his name glorified. Um, and in the process, I have found a place that I can call home until God tells me to leave. So you'll be seeing me around a lot more. <laughs> um, yeah, that's everything. Okay. Last but hopefully not least. I actually deliberately wanted to go last because I'm still not 100% sure what I'm actually going to say. 
And um, now I feel rubbish because that's uh, quite quite a trail to um, finish. Okay, I'm just going to talk and then hopefully God will just fill in the gaps. So at the beginning, this, like, <laughs> like for Bex, um, even signing on to this discipleship year felt like a real leap of faith. I was giving up a job, which honestly I didn't really want to be in anyway, so that kind of felt quite good. But I was giving up a stable income, um, stable lifestyle for... I don't really know what I just I looked at some of the women in my life and I thought I want some of what you've got I want some of your passion I want some of your close connection with God I want some of your just understanding who you are a bit more um so took a leap and it worked out great um one of my first real um God moments was right at the beginning I work for a legal company who are a legal company, so they're, they're interesting. They're not the most flexible company, and I had zero faith that leaving that company would be a good idea. I handed in my notice, and my supervisor begged for me to stay, gave me part-time hours, which I cannot even tell you is unheard of in that company unless you go and have a baby and come back. So first miracle, got a part-time job. Uh, second miracle, which I choose to believe a miracle, it could be that people like me and brought into my vision, but I choose to believe that God spoke to specific people who were supposed to support me in this year, and I cannot thank you enough for all that you've done. This year would not have happened if I hadn't had that support, so thank you. Uh, second miracle. Just, God has just been amazing this year. He's provided so much. He's provided financially He's provided friendships. He's closed down friendships, which was kind of painful, but 100% necessary. And he's opened doors into areas of my life that I've hoped and prayed for for so long and hoped that it wasn't just a passion in me, that actually it was a God-given thing that he was going to continue and grow in me. And he has, and I'm so grateful. What else? He's just so good. I just can't get over how much he's provided for me this year. And that in itself would be enough to stop talking. But in, in everything that I've stepped into this year, he's just, he's backed me up and provided more than I could have ever imagined. The clothes swap for anyone who came to it, I think you'll agree, was amazing. It's an area that I'm incredibly passionate about and was so nervous on my own back, I could never have achieved what I achieved, what we achieved on that night. I had an amazing team behind me, but actually, God just showed up so much. He multiplied the people, he multiplied the clothes, he multiplied the food, which is always good, and just touched so many people's lives, and I'm just so grateful for all that he did in that. Uh, Romania, what can I say? Romania now has a very special place in my heart, not just because um, my fiancé lives there. <laughs> but um, if, if you don't know that story, ask my mum because she loves telling it. Um, it was, Romania was, first time round was fun and it was exploring and it was walking into new territory. Second time round for me was difficult and amazing all at the same time 
Over and over again this year, people have said to me, it's not what you do, it's who you are. And that has been a thorn in my side because I don't really know what I'm bringing to the table just as me. But Romania, Romania showed me a bit of that. I'm still learning and growing in that, but Romania showed me a lot of that. I just went as me. I wasn't really sure why God told me to go there, but I felt like he did. So I went and just saw incredible stuff. God broke down barriers, he softened hearts, he completely used us to love on his people and that was amazing. But also in me, he reignited a spark that I think has always been there, but he definitely reignited that spark. My passion for people, my passion for the lost, my passion for the broken and the excluded just expanded in that trip and I can never go back. And that was, just, that was just incredible as well. So much has happened in this year that I can't even really sum it up in like two minutes. Cheese and wine. I love cheese and wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, another, another amazing event that God, God definitely created. It wasn't me. Um, I have a lot of Christian friends. I have a lot of non-Christian friends. And for some bizarre reason, they ask me questions like, what do you think about, um, what are they called? Psychics, that's one. <laughs> Obviously I'm not one, otherwise I would have known that. <laughs> they asked me about psychics and um, I opened my mouth and God just put words in my mouth and I somehow managed to convince them to have a prophecy appointment instead of a psychic appointment because then at least you're hearing from the goodies and not the baddies. And um, two of my non-Christian friends just got it. They were hook, line and sinkered. And that evening again, God showed up and he just went crazy. I can't even tell you. Six amazing women turned up and truly blessed my friends. They went away feeling so loved and encouraged and completely overwhelmed. But my God showed up. He gave really specific words that situations I didn't even know about, and I've known these women like 10 years. Um, he, he directly spoke into their life, gave them, gave them meaning, gave them purpose, and they went away completely, completely changed. And actually, the conversations have just keep rolling, and I think they're... They're both on an amazing journey, and I'm so lucky to be part of that because I think it's going to be amazing. Um, okay, to sum up, this year's been incredible. So much has happened. I feel like I've been taken slightly out of the wild, put in a nest, and just nurtured for a year, and I kind of don't want to leave now. But all eagles have to leave the nest, and I just have great faith and expectancy as to what's going to happen next, because if this is what happens in a year, I can't wait to see what he does in a lifetime. Isn't isn't that powerful? Well done, you three, and thank you for sharing. Um, And also thank you to you, because this wasn't all about what you got out of this. We got a lot out of this too as a church. Thank you for serving the church through this year, through uh, Sundays and teams and kids and youth and students and compassion and all the things that you've got involved in. Uh, It's been uh, incredible. And uh, we know you're not going anywhere, so that's fine. But um, 
And just so you know, for those of you who are interested in doing this, it's not too late. We have um, two or three people who are already um, keen and signed up for next year. Um, but it's not too late if you want to get involved in discipleship year. It's not a full week. It's two days in the week and some time around Sundays. Uh, that's, the, that's what you do. But what an incredible example of how we take the bit that God gives us, and in this case, the resources that we have in terms of our time, and we invest them into God's kingdom. And look at the payback. Look at the results. And you've just heard a, you've only heard a little bit of what's gone on. We spent two Two, two or three hours the other week just going through all of that with these three, just talking about all the different things. And a number of you have been involved in different ways uh, with, what, with what they do. So there's a message here for all of us. And even if God isn't calling you or it's not practical for you to give up that much time, what about the time that you do have? How is God inviting us to spend the time and the resources that we do have? Um, we're going to pray for all of these three, but first we're going to celebrate communion together. So I'd love the band to come back. And I'd love those of you who are helping to share communion to come out as well. And Joe, could you just organize that? And um, because I said earlier, God's kingdom is coming about because of what Jesus has done for us. And when we celebrate communion, when we take bread and wine like this, we're doing what he instructed us to do, to remember that actually this whole thing comes back to him. Our kingdom investment comes back to what Jesus did for us. We can only get involved because of what God invested in us. So we're going to take a moment to celebrate communion. I'm just going to read you one verse from Ephesians. Why don't you stand together? It says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. You heard stories just then of how God was speaking to each of these three and showing them what he thought of them and showing them how much he loved them and showing them how much he cared about them and how much he had their backs and how much he was for them. And God has that for each of us. And we know it's true because of what Jesus did on the cross. In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins, whatever mistakes we feel that we've made with our lives, whatever we time or resources or energy we haven't invested in the kingdom, whatever we've been fearful of or run away from, it's not too late. And so at this point, when we celebrate communion and we give thanks to God for what he's done, at this point, at this point, we meet with God again. So I just want to pray, Lord, as we share bread and wine together and we remember what you have done for us, would you come And could we encounter your presence again? And as we give thanks for these three and their incredible year and the stories and the journeys that they've been on, actually, may this be a time, a significant time for each of us. And we open our hearts and we open our minds to the Spirit's leading about how we should invest the resources, the gifts, the talents, the skills that you've given us. So in this moment, we dedicate ourselves to you again. And we thank you again, remembering all that you did on the cross for us, Jesus. We bless you. Come and make this bread and this wine like your body and blood to us. That we might encounter, remember what you've done and encounter your presence again. And really, really just meet with you in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're new and you're visiting, you haven't been before, how we do this is anybody who is a follower of Jesus is welcome to just come take some bread, dip it in the, the wine. If you need 
um, gluten-free. That is over on this side. Um, there are four stations. We're just going to keep an atmosphere of worship just for two or three minutes as we do this. The guys will play. Um, and so when you're ready, come and take and then worship God. And then we'll just have, as we break up after that, we'll do ministry. And we will pray for each of those girls and anybody else who wants to be prayed for. So come, come to the table. Go for it.